Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmozone podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Fusion CBD Products. Look, I'm using this right now. I did some plyometrics this morning. My lower back was in rough shape. I'm using the CBD Intense Relief Rub. Love this stuff. A thousand milligrams of CBD. It works. They have their energy and focus pills. They have their slim fast CBD pills, their muscle and joints, got turmeric in it, their cardio and energy mix, their hydro drops. They got everything CBD needed. Go to Fusion cbdproducts.com 20% off use the promo code schmo you will not be disappointed the episode is also brought to you by sheath underwear the only pair of underwear this guy wears right here they have the dual pouch it's extremely comfortable once you try these things you'll never want to wear another normal pair of underwear it protects your balls keeps them nice and comfortable they're not moist they're nice and protected and warm it's the holidays too, 30% off, not 20 like normally, only a limited time. Use the promo code SHMO, sheathunderwear.com, and get yourself the most comfortable pair of underwear there is. And don't forget, go to the schmozone.com. We have the link in the YouTube page. Get your merch. We're wearing the Schmozone t-shirts right now, both Helen and I. Super comfortable. Yes. Love it. It's good for year-round wear, right? So holidays, what a great time to go get you one of them. Or two, or three. Or three. And also face masks, hand-sewn in California. They're comfortable, breathable. Who doesn't want to rep the schmo on a daily basis? Going to the supermarket, going to the your home gym, right? Just rep it 24-7. Hey, Helen's preaching for me. You can't deny that. Go check it out, theschmozone.com. Get your merch. Let's start this show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmozone podcast, episode number 42. I'm Dave Schmolson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helen Yee. Sports are always fun to watch. Every time we do this, <laughs> you're going to have to add some flair to it, aren't you? You're going to have to up the game every time. Helen Yee sports and something a little extra. Yeah, I try. Just like I got my nails done yesterday. Made it a little extra. Some candy cane looking nails. So, so we're just going to skip Thanksgiving, go right into Christmas, huh? <laughs> no, well... These actually, they last a month, so if I didn't do it now, it, you know, may have been too late. Like, it will last up until Christmas. Gotcha. Saving a little bit of money right there. <laughs> so you're not one of or those... Or I, I just don't want to go get them done all the time, because I'm not that patient to wait for them to dry. 
That's the truth. Yes, and uh, the safety protocols too. Just yes. limit your time in a building next to a lot of humans. You know, in this COVID exactly. era we're living in, wear your mask. Yes. Uh, today, loaded podcast episode forty-two. We're gonna have OG in the fight game, Cub Swanson calling in. Such a fun fighter to watch. Yes. And one fight of the year, 2016, against Du Ho Choi. I love that fight. Yes, and he's got a big fight coming up December 12th. We'll get to that. We'll get to Cup here shortly. We'll also have a manager with Iridium Sports, Jason House, here in studio. Great podcast today. I know. I'm excited. And it's UFC 255 Fight Week, which you mentioned Jason House. Alex Perez, a fighter he manages, fighting Davison Figueredo for that flyweight strap this weekend. I believe it will be the, if, if Alex Perez can beat Davidson Figueredo, it would be the first client of his UFC fighter with a gold strap for Iridium Sports. Because I know they have champions in other promotions, but this would be the first one in the UFC. And what a way, that would be such a way for him to celebrate his 10th year in the fighter management business, right? Yes, and he just moved to Vegas, too, from California. So we'll have him in studio. Looking forward to that. But I think a good place to start is kind of last week, you and I took like a hiatus from creating content outside of this podcast. It was kind of nice to have a break. We're in Arizona. It's my mother's birthday. Yes. It was a good time. And then yesterday when we came back, uh, we came back. Oh, yeah. Chaos Williams. <laughs> yeah, Chaos Williams. And also, uh, what a performance he's had, right? And his performances in the UFC so far. It hasn't even been a year since his debut um, in the UFC, of course. And then, interesting, last night, Jake Paul. Want to kind of give the backstory to that? Because that interview, I was dying laughing. <laughs> It was so funny. And a lot of people that follow me on social media are hating on on it right now. And I mean, Wait, why? hating, hating me? on him or hating oh, Well, hating on me for interviewing schmo, him sorry. or hating on the schmo for interviewing him, giving him that time. And uh, look, at the end of the day, yeah, it was like my second or third time interviewing him. I think I met the kid uh, last year. For Logan, his brother's fight. For Logan's fight. fight. And then we're there in Miami when this podcast launched, right, during the Super Bowl. And he was fighting uh, against this Gib? other YouTuber, Gib. Won. Won that fight. I think he stopped him in the first round or second round or something like that. Um, yeah. So, anyways, he's the co-main event for this Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight card a week from Saturday, November 28th. And uh, we were there at Bones Adams Boxing Gym at the Prince Rance Boxing Gym. By the two-time boxing champion, Bones Adams, it's his gym, private gym. That's it's really where... cool. It's literally, like, in his backyard. And the Diaz brothers do they, some work there, too. I, I always see that on Instagram. So, anyways, yeah, we went over there last night, uh, last-second type thing. The Schmo interviewed Jake Paul, getting a lot of heat for it. But you know something? Look, whether we you watch his content or not, and it's like, look, I don't expect anybody to listen to this uh, podcast to watch his content or any of that kind of stuff and obviously you don't have to be a fan of his and i'm not asking for that nor am i saying i am but the guy's got like over 20 million uh youtube followers and guys one of the most popular people in this new age of digital media and this is where i give my tribute and this is where i give my respect i created the character the schmo because nobody and this is a known fact now, nobody in the sports executive sports media world gave me a chance to be David Schmolton, which I'm here today on the podcast, to talk sports and literally do what everyone else is. And I carved my own way and did it my way. And 
those kids are carving their own way on the internet. So I understand where they're coming from. And this new generation of children are growing up consuming videos and watching their content and people like them. So regardless if you like it or not, people are engaged with it. So I'm just, you know, paying it forward. Yeah, it was very entertaining. And um, he loves the schmo. He loves you. So it was good. I want to beat their fight. Look, I, you know, it's hey, next weekend already. It's a week from Saturday, a week from UFC 255. And look, and here's what I can say. It's not like he's not taking boxing seriously. Look, boxing's a sport that needs all the help it can get. And they're bringing eyeballs to the sport. And the kid was working hard. Yeah, and he's been boxing for work, three years. Work he's very hard, he's yeah. actually taking it seriously. And like for all the people that say negative comments and stuff like that, like go in the ring with that kid. Seriously, go in the ring with the kid. See if he can really box or not. Yeah, he was training with BJ Flores, his coach, right? Yep, and he was a contender in the cruiserweight division back in the day. So, I mean, he's contended for, I mean, he's working. We saw it firsthand. He's working. I mean, I don't necessarily agree and appreciate all the antics that go around it, but from the pure sports standpoint, at least he is putting his blood, sweat, and tears on the line. Well, then, if they're hating on him, what are they saying about Nate Robinson, though? I mean, look, I know he he's slam dunk champion three and all time. the, sorry, three time slam dunk champion and had a relatively successful NBA career and whatnot. Very successful yeah. NBA career. And he played for my Chicago Bulls. <laughs> How'd it go there? I'm just kidding. Hey, in the playoffs, they were shorthanded. I remember about a decade ago and he went off a couple games. It's not was their fault that, they had to go up wait, against. Was that pun intended? Uh, he's a little short, but uh, doesn't he's a great player, pound for pound. I know he's it's like five very nine. fun player to watch. My younger brother and I used to love watching him growing up. Five nine, and he beat like Dwight Howard, who's like seven feet tall, and and slam dunk competitions. But uh, I digress. It's entertainment, and it's there. Yeah. But I do want to get to Cub Swanson because yes. um, I can't wait to talk to him. OG in the fight game, WEC. WEC days. I know yeah. that's when I actually first started watching him. Yeah. So uh, let's let's bring him on in. Cub Swanson. I think he's on the other line when he's ready. Hey, what's up, guys? Cub, thanks for joining yeah, us thank today. You. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Well, look, you're, you're an OG in the fight game. 26 and 11 career uh, fighter as a professional we were there, man, for at Quintent Ultra when you had that unfortunate injury. We were there live. I was it against Jake Shields? We're trying to remember who yeah. you were grappling. It was Jake Shields. Yeah. And uh, I got to give you kudos, man. Mad respect. You said I will get in there back in the octagon in 2020. And look, on the day, that very day, you're fighting Daniel Pineda. December 12th would be the one year anniversary from that uh, injury. Yeah. So I knew right away, um, I, I've, I've heard from a lot of people about the injury, how long it takes. Um, I, I know people. Have... Sorry, I was getting a call. No uh, worries. People have come back sooner. Um, but I know because of my age, um, I, because I'm a pro athlete, I had to take all these things into consideration. And I said, OK, a, a year exactly, 11 months is, is a good timeline. Um, and, and so I needed a goal. I needed something to, to you know, market. This is the day I'm going to come. Uh, I'm going to come back. 
And so that way all year I've been working through this quarantine, through all this craziness. Uh, I was just working, 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 you know, just hanging out with my kids and trying to get my legs strong. So here I am. I did what I said I was going to do and uh, I'm excited. So for the injury, it was a torn ACL and a torn meniscus. What was the recovery period like for you? And I know there had to be some sort of adjustment because halfway through this year, COVID happened. Yeah. So it was kind of crazy. Uh, the UFC, you know, they, they did such a great job. They, they sent me to a, a Dr. Kavitney at Curlin and Job right away. Um, and a lot of people told me I was lucky because I was already in shape. That's, that's like the biggest thing is you lose size in your quad. Um, and so because I was already in shape and we got it done right away and then I did physical therapy right away, I was able to like get a good start. Um, the, the hardest part was my wife was supposed to help me out and take care of me, uh, but she ended up getting a wisdom tooth pulled and she was in pretty bad shape. So for Christmas, me and her were just like barely surviving with the three kids. Uh, so we had a tough month, but, uh, you know, we, we got better, we worked through it and, uh, you know, we just had to use teamwork. Well, what was that transition like from recovery to preparing for this fight? And like David mentioned, you know, during this time, this pandemic and being busy with three little kids. Yeah. You know, it's been quite an adjustment for me, um, because I'm no longer a full-time fighter. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm here with my kids. I want my wife to be able to do uh, whatever she wants to do and pursue what she's doing, uh, which is a small business. She, and she still works for the UFC. Uh, she hasn't been able to all year. But um, I want her to be able to do all the same things I get to do. So we split things. And, we, you know, my family helps out sometimes. Um, but me and her are splitting the work. So I, I train you know, all, all morning. And then I take the kids in the afternoon and she goes to work. And then, uh, a lot of times I have to, you know, once we put them down for bed, I go train again. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just as much dad as I am fighter these days, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, you're a great dad. I have to add that because I watch your stories and I know sometimes you guys do the family videos of all mm -hmm. of you guys together. And yeah, you guys do a great job, you and your wife. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You came off a huge victory in the fall against Cron Gracie. And prior to that, it was the first time in your career you were coming off a four-fight losing streak. And a lot of people never really talk about kind of the dark times as a fighter might have. What were some of the dark thoughts that you had during that time? You know, four-fight losing streak, some of those kind of emotions that you had to overcome in your fight career. Because I'm, I'm imagine it was probably the most difficult stretch you've had in your career so far. A hundred percent. It really just pokes at you, you know. Um, I had did so many things. I got married. I started having kids. I moved. I changed camps. Uh, I had different cornermen. You know, there were so many different things um, that I kind of added all together, but it was necessary for the progression. Um, it, the, the biggest thing about when, you, when you're in the game this long is you, you have to evolve. And sometimes you, you have to take a step backwards to take multiple steps forward. And, you know, I, I feel like I was still learning how to have my attention in the right places 
and and, and kind of juggle all these things. Um, and then, you know, having four losses in a row just is really eats at your confidence. And then at the highest level, everyone's good. Everyone's tough. So confidence is huge. You see guys, you can really say, okay, this guy's got his confidence is high. I, I think his chances are better against, you know, taking a, a step up in competition. So to, to have four losses in a row just, just kind of eats at you, you know? Um, so the, the Kron fight, I, I took it serious. I, um, I, I knew that he was a dangerous opponent and, uh, I just had a really good camp. I focused really well and, and we got it done. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, tearing my ACL was just like, man, it, just when I got some momentum back, it, I felt like it got sweeped out from under me. Um, so I, I think this year was, a was, a kind of a blessing in disguise. Uh, me and my wife have been basically quarantined in the house uh, with our kids, just enjoying. Everyone keeps telling me, enjoy these moments with them. So we've, we've gotten plenty of that, uh, you know, maybe too much. Uh, but, but we've been here in the house with them. And then I just go and, and work on my craft with my, my good friends and training partners. So uh, I've had a lot of time to really dive in deep into what makes me uh, a good martial artist and get back to those things. And then also what's what's moving forward? How do I continue to evolve? And uh, I, I really feel like I have a good handle on that right now. Now you mentioned um, continuing to evolve. I know you made your pro debut in 2004. Is that what you would credit to your longevity in this sport? Well, yeah, I... <laughs> You know, it's when when I was coming up in the sport, I didn't have an amateur career. There really wasn't an amateur career, um, especially in California. So I, my first fight was professional, uh, and, and so I felt like I was learning the entire time. Um, when I got into the WEC, I feel like that was the start of my pro career, if you really want to look at it like that. And then when we moved over to the UFC, that was like me taking that next step uh, of you know being kind of a grown up in the sport. Um, but that you have to, you have to keep evolving because this sport just keeps growing. Um, I was just telling some of the guys I work with the other day that when I started, uh, even in the WEC, you could do moves and you could pull things off that you just can't now because everyone's good. Like people grew up watching it. When I started, I had never seen it until I was 19 years old. I, I had no idea jujitsu or any of this stuff that even existed i only knew about boxing um so to to have kids coming up watching it every day like my kids my kids have been watching it since birth um they'll they'll have a better understanding of the game uh at an early age and, and that just makes the younger generation dangerous it's amazing. You're like a, a living guinea pig. You're adapting on the fly. <laughs> uh, let's go back to 2013 because I want to get to some fights, and there's not a better person, not many be better people in general to talk fights than uh, than you. Let's go back to 2013 when you beat a featherweight Dustin Poirier. When you look at his career, where do you think he's improved the most? Because he's got a big rematch coming up with Conor McGregor, and this time it's you know not at featherweight. It's at lightweight. Uh, I think his confidence, you know, kind of like I was talking about for myself, I think he got thrown in there with some of the best of the best at our weight class. Uh, I think he was suffering a lot with uh, trying to maintain his weight and get down to 45 and he was young. So I think 
you know, once you get into your mid twenties, if you're barely making a weight class in your early twenties, then by the later part of your twenties is going to be even harder. Um, so I think once he realized that 55s was going to be a little bit better for him, um, he started trusting his hands. Uh, I think he, he took a couple hard losses and learned from them. And, uh, like I, just where he is now, I'm a huge fan. I think as a person and a fighter, he, he's awesome. So uh, I'm always cheering for him, and I'm sure he'd love to, to you know, kick my butt uh, at some point. But, yeah, regardless, I, I'm lucky to have that win on my career. Um, I know he had to cut a lot of weight. and We traveled. He took it on short notice, but we had a little bit of a war. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of his. Today there is some fight. Uh, news announced Max Holloway, Calvin Cater finalized Max Holloway. You know, he's coming off those very close losses against Alexander Volkanovsky. What do you make of that matchup? I I saw that today. I was, I was running on the treadmill, uh, you know, kind of warming up and I saw that and, uh, I got excited. I like that fight. Uh, I think Cater, uh, is a Qatar Cater. I, I always messed that up. Uh, I apologize. It's all good. Um, but- I, I think he's, I think he's one of the 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 up and comers, that that's gonna be around for a while. I think he's really good. He hits hard. Um, I even was noticing in his last fight how he kept opening his hands and looking at his hands, and I was telling all all the younger fighters I work with, look, he's trying to remind himself to stay relaxed. If you stay relaxed, you're gonna hit harder. You're gonna have better reactions. So, I just like the little things I'm seeing in him. Um, I think Holloway has the edge on, on being in there with so many good guys and being around. Uh, I think at this point, uh, I think it's touched on the chin too much. It'll slow him down. Um, but I, I, I just don't know if, if Calvin's got enough, uh, experience to take Max out yet, but, but he may, we'll see. Now, circling back to Connor versus Dustin, their rematch uh, at lightweight instead of featherweight, who do you think that would favor for it being at 155 as opposed to uh, at UFC 178 when it was at 145? And how do you see that fight playing out? Well, you know, you would think Connor has the mental edge on him. Um, but I think with Dustin having lost the first time, uh, I, I think that really, it kind of happened to me when I fought Jens Pulver. You, you, you get into this fight and you, you get overwhelmed with the experience and you, and you, for the first time, you just break under the lights uh, of pressure that you put on yourself. And I think that he, be, we, everyone saw that he became stronger after that. And, and I did as well when it happened to me. Um, so I, I, I expect that he won't fall for the psychological war- warfare that Connor brings. Um, Connor's still dangerous, but I think out of the who's improved most between the two, I'd have to say uh, Dustin. Um, so I'm expecting a war. I, I think I think it being at 55, I, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I, you know, I still can't call who wins, but I, I think it's going to be a tough fight. And uh, yeah, I. I I, I really can't call it. And speaking of some of the trials and tribulations that go on in the sport, your longtime teammate, the Spaniard, got that Bell, Bellator bantamweight crowd 
a few months ago, and uh, TJ Dillashaw, I think he's coming off of his suspension in January, some of your longtime training partners. Where's the mental state and physical strength of TJ Dillashaw right now, anticipating his return? Well, you know, he's been in the gym. He's got he's got things going on outside of, of fighting. He, he's pretty, uh, you know, business savvy. He's he's always grinded. So uh, I, I think he started coming back around a while ago and, and helping out. And I, my advice to him was like, hey, if you're planning on coming back on this date, make sure you're, you know, training really far out. And, and he's been doing that. He's been grinding. He's been in the gym with us, helping out. Um, you know, he's still got to do a lot of things he takes care of, but it, it's been nice to have him around um, and, and just uh, not having him focus so much on himself and be able to help us out. Because um, when you're the champ, it, it, it really, everyone kind of focuses on you. Um, so, so it's nice to be able to pick his brain. Me and him, very different, like this um, overall game plan. Um so it's nice, I think, for me to be able to pull some things from him. And as far as Juan, uh, Juan's one of my, you know, great training partners. And uh, it just feels good to have him have him there with me. So uh, I've been there with him through all his wars and, and uh, seeing his success. And, and it, I, I'm just so happy for his career right now and him being the champ. And, and uh, uh, it's nice to have him in my corner for my fights. Now, for TJ's return, uh, there's a lot going on in that bantamweight division. Who do you think makes sense for him to uh, return against? I mean, the the division has changed so much since he's been out. Uh, I'd really like to see him get somebody that uh, is a bigger name that I know stylistically he can go in there and just put work on and, and, and kind of get the rhythm back. Um, you know, those are my words, not his, he, he, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that wants to, you know, go for the title right off the bat. Um, and that's just, he's his competitive nature. Um, but I would just like to see him get a, like a good matchup, uh, someone that's just gonna, you know, fall right into his game and let him get his rhythm back let him get a good knockout or submission or, you know, good finish and kind of like let everyone know he's back and then line up the big fights. I know Corey Sanhagen's been calling him out. So, and I think they've done some work together in the past too, but that's who Corey's been calling out. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be a fun one. Uh, I don't know if that would be the first fight I would take just because of how much the guy moves. Uh, like I said, you know, rhythm and confidence is, is, is things you need in there. Definitely. Well, Cub, um, anything else you want to get out there? We look forward to your return. UFC 256, December 12th. Uh, we'll be there. Yeah, anything, we will. <laughs> we will be there uh, during well, this uh, crazy time. Well, I appreciate the support. And I, I'm, I'm glad you guys were there when I, was, when I was hurt because you guys will see me coming back and being strong and performing, and it'll just make for a better story. And uh, as far as is those videos I have with, with – my family, we're gonna we're gonna keep those coming out. Uh, it took us a little while, but uh, we've been really enjoying the the journey of um, you know being parents and trying to live our our dream. Still, kind of want it inside and, and see how uh, you know we're just two regular people and we struggle and we we try our best, but at the end of the day, you just got to keep moving. 
Very well said. Great way to to leave. Great and note on. Happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys. Thank you. That's Cub Swanson, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Later, guys. Take care. He's a great guy. I know. Great guy. Optimistic. Great. Yes. Very optimistic, too. So, no, I look forward to his fight. He's fought everybody, too. I know um, Brian Ortega has been an opponent of his as well. So mm -hmm. I think we'll end up seeing that fight at featherweight, Brian Ortega and Volkanovski for the title. But, uh, man, he came off major knee reconstruction. And to see yeah. him coming in there, that's that's fantastic. I know. So much respect. And like you mentioned, for him to one year later, he said he won a fight in 2020 and made it happen. You always have to appreciate the people that keep their word when they say they're going to do something and they do it and they follow through. And um, it's definitely a major obstacle because, yes, it's one thing to recover. Then it's another thing to recover with a family. Uh, I and know, then another and thing to recover with a family, small kids, and COVID. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> so much too so yes. uh yeah so that's great and i know we're gonna have jason house coming on our show as well uh so we'll stay tuned for that he's gonna be coming in here pretty soon and uh yeah i'm just i'm excited for so much going on so many great fights are still happening and we're plugging through this exactly and in the beginning of the show when i mentioned my nails and you mentioned thanksgiving crazy to think it's next week right yeah what are some things that you're thankful for? Well, you being number one. Oh, good answer. Did you set me up for that? Did actually, you set me up for that? no. Actually, I, I didn't even think of you saying me, so thank you. No, it's okay. Well, that's uh, that and obviously good health. You, good health, family, and being able to continue to do what we love and create content. Follow this sport. Follow all sports and uh, do the show and uh, make things happen. Exactly. And what are, what are you thankful for? And good food. <laughs> of course, good food. Yeah. Um, thankful for you. And also, I have to, or I want to address the post. When I posted of us together, just kind of behind the scenes, you know, your support. And, yeah. Oh, don't get emotional. No, yeah, of course. So, uh, well, yeah, you I appreciate you doing that. Blindsided me with that while I was watching Sunday football because my fantasy football team is uh, really bad this year. Well, and uh, it, it brings me down every Sunday. I I see that. <laughs> well, you know, it's just got to be honest, right? There's the behind the scenes look at everything, yeah. um, at covering sports, at our lives, and you know, trying to become an athlete again, right? It's uh, not an easy process, so I'm just grateful that. You've always been very supportive of me um, and believed in me. Of course. Uh, no other way to do it. I think it's a good transition, though, right now to bring in the one and only Jason House. Come on in here, Jason. The man, the machine. I behind wish the we had, like, keg. confetti, like I when they walk sports. here. <laughs> and, uh, Jason, appreciate you coming on. Of course, you know, I think this was the absolute perfect week to have you on too cuz when we when we schedule these podcasts, we always look at what the forecast is ahead and uh I mean, there's always big weeks because yeah. you have fighters at everything. I don't know if there's any manager that has more <laughs> fighters coming out of Dana White's contender series than yeah. you week in week out and uh you know, you got a huge huge 
uh, matches coming up here for yeah. UFC 255. You got fighters fighting each other, <laughs> yeah. and you got an opportunity to have a client with a gold strap here yes. in the UFC. Yes, it's it's definitely exciting. You know, um, you know, starting with Alex Perez. I mean, we've been with him since his very first pro fight. So to take someone from the start to here, it's, it's very emotional. It's very it's a very great feeling. It's very you know. Uh, I can't even describe it. This whole week, I'm just like, wow, like, I can't believe... I remember being at his first fight, you know, <laughs> just thinking, like, oh, this is a great start, not realizing someday we'd get to this mountaintop and, and have a chance to to win the world title. So, you know, he's had a great camp. I, I'm really excited for it. You know, I'm also excited for Roy Vall Moreno. It's obviously... Uh, you know, a lot of people keep telling me it's a, it's a great problem to have, but I don't think it's a problem. I think it's, you know, people forget a year and a half ago, two years ago, they were going to cut the flyweight division, and now we're sitting here and... and our clients are the ones that I think are bringing that life blood black into that division. So, you know, while I'm very sad that one of our clients uh, has to take a loss on Saturday, I think, you know, the fact that they're the main event of the ESPN portion is, I think, speaks volumes. And I think that's been kind of lost It's uh, in some of the pre-fight hype. And also to add to that, all this is kind of happening while you're celebrating your 10th year in yes. this fighter <laughs> management business First yes. off, congrats, and Thank you. what's this whole journey been like for you? It's really crazy because uh, when I when I started the last semester of, my, of law school, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. I was working at the DA's office. I was working at a private firm, and I just really wasn't finding that fulfillment that I thought I would find in, in being an attorney. So when MMA kind of fell into my lap that last semester, I had told my father, like, hey, I, I really want to do this. And I really have to give a lot of credit to my dad because he's the one that told me, you know what, son, move home pass the bar exam, you know, and let's start this. Give it two years, and if it takes off, great. And if it doesn't, at least you know you tried. You know, that he kind of told me that law firm job would always be there. And, uh, you know, he's coming out this weekend, and I'm, I'm freaking through the roof to have him here for this, you know, because uh, it's going to be a great moment. And I really think, you know, come Saturday night, we're going to have the belt. And I have so much respect for you, too, because I know you've taken pivots to make this work. I know you've worked as like a server at yeah. Outback Steakhouse <laughs> and you bet on yourself when yeah. no one else would bet on you. And even the Schmo character in the early stages, too. I had reached out to you years ago before people knew who I was in this MMA game. Um, and actually, when I reached out to you is when I was focusing on NFL and NBA athletes to yes. interview. And you gave me a chance, your team gave me a chance to interview your clients, whether it was the NFL clients or the MMA clients. And I've always respected your hustle and your approach to the game. And I'm appreciative of everything you've done for the sport and continue to grow. And all these opportunities that you have in front of you. I know you recently moved to Las Vegas too, you and your yeah. wife. And, um, you know, uh, you deserve it. Well, the, the, the feelings are mutual. I always look at you too. And I think like people see these last maybe 12 to 16 months with you guys and they don't realize the years that have gone into this this hard work. And I think it's amazing what you've done and you found a, a really great way to, to stand out and stand out in a great way. And I think, you know, a lot of our athletes always love working with you. And, you know, I, I'm I'm blessed to have these opportunities to be on the show. I was excited when Ed told me. I was like, oh, shoot, we get to be on the schmo. <laughs> Ed's the man. Uh, and Ed works on your team, too. Yeah. And that's one thing about your clients, too. They're always so responsive. They're very, very good with doing any of their media obligations, even though the obligations during this COVID era we're in right now are are, are limited. Yeah. But they're very responsive. They're attentive. Uh, they're good with their time. And they're very humble and respectful human beings in general. Yeah, we, we're lucky. The culture of our agency is amazing. Uh, it's one thing I'm most proud of. Uh, you know, when I finished law school and I started uh, this journey as an agent, you know, I think some of my youthful exuberance got me chasing talent. And sometimes uh, you learn that talent will take you places your character's not ready to go to. 
And so I kind of had to make a little bit of a pivot step there too as well and just realize like what is the type of client that I want to represent. You know, I had to write down a list someday and when you wrote down like this type of people I want to represent. And uh, I just think that we're, I'm so blessed. Our agency, we have a great group of guys. Our, our culture is really amazing and uh, I'm, I'm blessed to have it. I mean, yesterday, and one of your clients too, we interviewed Chaos Williams yes. and Izzy at yes. the Vidara. We came back. We, we, it was the one fight that we missed. It was my mother's birthday. So we went back awesome. to Arizona, celebrated her birthday with her. So we watched uh, the fights on television. Actually, I was watching it on my phone from the dinner table. Love it. Her. She didn't know. It was under the table. I had, I had my ESPN Plus app open, and Helen was looking over my shoulder. Amazing, amazing yes. knockout. He's, I think he might have been like the biggest underdog on the main card. I believe so. And uh, the guy hasn't even had a minute total <laughs> I'm in the UFC. Of, of octagon time in the yes. UFC. And uh, two knockouts, two, two bonuses too, yes. I believe. Yes. It's amazing. You know, uh, he, he always has a saying, out the mud, and it's something that's really resonated with me just because through our journey in representing chaos, his mentality, I think, is his best asset. You know, people have seen, you know, the the racer that he has in that right hand of his, but I, I truly believe that it, it's his mentality that gets him where he is today. And even if you saw his post-fight interviews, you know, he was like, hey, I'm not believing my own hype. I still got a lot of work to go. You know, this isn't just, um, I've not arrived yet. You know, he, he's basically, you know, uh, staying you know, process oriented, not result oriented. I think that's what makes him so special is his mind. I love talking with him. You know, I love catching up with him. And even throughout this whole COVID, uh, he'd been offered a couple fights, but Michigan was really uh, on lockdown. You really had no opportunities to fight. And he kept saying, Jay, just be patient. You know, when the right opportunity comes, I know I'll be ready. And, uh, you know, I really want to do this the right way. Well, we were trying to ask him if there was someone that he would want next, yeah. right? And he was like, you know, I'll fight anyone. But for him, like being his manager, is there someone that you would like to see him fight next? Because that welterweight division, I mean, it's a very fun division. There's right a now. lot of exciting matchups right now. There, yeah. there really is. That division is doing very, very well. I'm excited to sit with Sean and, and kind of, you know, see what's available, uh, see what options we have and, and kind of, you know, get him back in there as soon as possible. I really think that... Uh, we need to strike while the iron's hot. So let's go back to this card. Um, Alex Perez, huge opportunity. Supposed yes. to fight Brandon Moreno, who yes. also you managed. who's yes. actually fighting now Brandon Royvel. Yes. Um, but Perez stepping in there because Cody Garbrandt had to pull out of this mm -hmm. fight against Davidson Figueredo. Um, has the moment really, you know, soaked into him? We saw you make that. I might have been your your homes for sure your debut on the uh, UFC. <laughs> yeah, we watched, that. we watched that too. Yes. Your Las Vegas home. But has the moment? Do you think really sunk in for Alex right now that hey, I could walk away here with the gold championship belt. You know, it's funny, when he had beaten Formiga, uh, we went for a, a run one day and we were kind of talking and I was like, dude, like we're right there. Like, you're right there. You're a phone call away. You're an injury away. And then when it happened, I kind of told him, brother, we discussed this. We actually talked about it. We were joking around because we always watch The Rock's cheat days on Sunday. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, bro, we're going to get that belt. Yeah. We're going to be eating cheat day with The Rock. You know, it's going to be great drinking Terramana. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Come Sunday, we're going to be celebrating at the house and it, it's right there. So you know, uh, Alex throughout camp always texts me a lot, you know, and we always do phone calls and FaceTime. And I really feel like this is the most focused I've ever seen him. You always are waiting to see how an athlete responds in their in their moment to kind of, you know, define their legacy. And I have I really feel like this is the the sharpest I've ever seen him. Every phone call I have, the, the energy is so good. He's so positive. And um, I know I think come Saturday, I think he'll be focused on the process and won't be 
concerned by the moment. I think it's just another day, day at the office. But how are you balancing the relationships? Because I know you don't pick yeah. favorites. And these guys, yeah. um, a lot of them, the cli- your clients, they, they train together too. Yeah. And there's some sort of bond or mutual respect. How are you balancing these relationships during fight week for the guys that are fighting each other for the Royvels and the Morenos? Man, first, I, got, I cannot say enough good things about Brandon Royval and Brandon Moreno. Those are two class acts and I'm, I'm blessed to have them because they make this so easy. And really the way that we handle it is just uh, the way I tell our team is, uh, we treat every, uh, athlete as an individual. So whatever Roy Vols needs are for this week, we're going to serve them to the best of our abilities. Whatever Moreno's needs are for this week, we're going to serve to the best of our abilities. If you treat, if you just treat it as another fight week and, and give max effort, there won't be any issues. You know, Brandon's been staying at my house the last 10 days. You know, his teammate Teco was supposed to fight last weekend. So his whole coaching staff, uh, came out here. And then um, he didn't want to be without his coach. So he, I said, hey, man, come stay at my house. You know, come get training with your coach. Do, do what you need to do, you know, and, and you know, do it as such. Royval has been calling me. No problem at all. I'm sure Royval saw that Brandon was over at, for the Embedded episode. So I really don't think there, there's any issues at all. Uh, you know, we've, we haven't had any. Even when the whole situation happened with Alex and, and Brandon uh, Moreno, uh, he handled it with such class and he completely understood. I mean, this wasn't my decision. You're right. This was the UFC's decision. And, uh, yeah. And I know that flyweights don't get as much love maybe as some of the other divisions, but Royval, someone, we were there. It's been <laughs> yeah, a couple of Abu fights. Dhabi, right? We were yes. there in Abu Dhabi, but there, we're here in Vegas too, where wasn't he also having a job working security yes. as well? And then <laughs> finally he, he gets his bonus and everything yes. like that. So he could just focus on fighting. But talk about a guy that is literally climbing the ranks, that is now maybe a win away potentially for mm-hmm. fighting for a title in just such a short amount of time span, someone who's taken advantage of this pandemic situation. He, he definitely has. I think, you know, the fact that he's always ready and he's jumped in some great opportunities with the, sh- the short notice opportunity against Tim Elliott, then again, uh, semi-short notice against Kaikara France, you know, he's really uh, taken a hold of his own destiny. And, uh, I mean, I think if you look at all three of them, they've all had crazy stories. You know, Alex Perez at one point, he was a part of the, when it was in the division was being cut. He went to 35s, remember for yep. one fight. Yeah. Moreno actually got cut when I signed Moreno. He was not in the UFC. So we went to LFA. He fought for the LFA title, won the belt. I mean, he went back from the bottom all the way to the, not the bottom, but you know, he went back to the regional scene, got back where he is now. Same for Royval, won the LFA title. I mean, if you look at these guys journeys to where they are now, I mean, uh, people, it, it's, it's for our business. It's very fast, right. To be in this position and you're talking a year. I mean, it's crazy. But on the regional scene side of things, we saw PFL pushing their season to next year. And yeah. a, a lot of your clients, I think you guys represent over 250 MMA fighters, right? Mm-hmm. So a, not all of them are in the UFC. Correct. How difficult has it been booking fights for promotions outside of the UFC? Man, we've been we've definitely been working with LFA, CFFC, uh, B two Strike Hard, quite a few other promotions. I'm probably forgetting the name to ensure that our athletes are still getting uh, the the right fights to develop their career properly. And kudos to those promotions to find ways to do events in a very ha- hard time where you know commissions are being very strict, states are being very strict. Um, but on our end, it's really about being proactive, right? We got to be aggressive. You know, there's only so many fights to go around, and we have to make sure that our athletes are obtaining those opportunities and are continuing to develop in their career. Now, speaking of this fight week as well, I know initially there were kind of rumors, uh, would Cheeto Vera be fighting Jose Aldo this yes. weekend? You're <laughs> smiling. Is there kind of an update? Because I think we're all looking forward to Cheeto's return. Yes, uh, I, I really feel that fight will happen in December. 
I'm awesome. real, I'm real excited for it. And Cheeto's another great story. I mean, I, I love him to death. I can't say enough good things. And the fact that he's fighting Jose Aldo, I just think that's so awesome. I mean, he's really parlayed his 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 uh, opportunities so well. You know, fighting Song Yudong, fighting Sean O'Malley. He's been fighting some of the toughest in the division, and uh, you know, he really deserves this opportunity. One of the nicest guys too yeah. to interview. Great for personality, both of us. yeah. Yes, guy. I think he literally put a the smiley, smiley yeah. face. <laughs> in the back of his head. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so nice. My wife and I always joke around because he really has this uh, happy-go-lucky mentality that it will always work out. And it does for him. And so whenever we stress out, we're like, man, we need to be more like Cheeto right now. And just, it's all going to work out. It always does. And that's kind of his, he always joke around like, Mio, it's going to work out. Relax. Don't worry. I'm like, man, I'm your manager. I'm supposed to stress. (laughs) It's my job. And he's like, no, it's all going to be fine. You know, he has such a good outlook on life. I really think uh, it's something that many people don't get to see. And it's one of the things of him that I really enjoy. At what point in your journey did you kind of focus and double down more from managing the MMA fighters than any other athlete in other sports? So in 2016, we were working with a marketing group that was kind of helping get our guys some sponsorships and endorsements. And he had said, hey, Jay, we work on a lot of NFL athletes. I think you'd be really good on this side of the fence. You know, take the test and become an NFL agent. And so I did, became an agent. You know, we started working for some NFL athletes. But I just feel like at that time, you know, that was 2016. So 2017, the Contender Series started. And I've always felt like that was our calling. I feel like when the Contender Series started, it just really uh, put what we do best out on, the, uh, right, out on the TV for everyone to see, right? The prospects, the young guns that are coming up, it, it was a breakout for us. And so, you know, we've had, a, you know, I think 15, at least 15 clients in every season. This year, I think we're approaching 30 clients on, on the season. I think we already have, I don't know, 10 or 12 contracts already this year. So it, it really just, it came a point where it was like, I got to go all in. I got to go all, all in MMA. This is where I can have the biggest footprint. Everyone on our team was on board with it too. I talked to Ed, Jeremy, and Jacob, and Lance, and Joe, and they were all like, let's let's go this direction. And so we did. And how has your relationship with Sean Shelby um, developed throughout this time? I know it's probably advancing as time goes on because yeah. you guys are bringing in a lot of athletes here, but... Especially during this pandemic, how has the relationship evolved? Uh, for me, I just understand the the plight of being a matchmaker during this pandemic. I, I believe Sean and Mick are losing anywhere from three to four fights a day. So if you think about that, on a given week, they're losing maybe 20 fights. That's that's over a card. That might be two cards. So they're almost backtracking what, and redoing the work they've already done. So for me, uh, I try to have all my guys' medicals done, have all their travel info ready to go, keep them on weight, and just try to be... Uh, a breath of fresh air for those for those two matchmakers, right? When they call me, hopefully I can alleviate some of the stress that's going on. Hopefully I can obtain an opportunity for one of our clients to to achieve their dream or like a Brandon Royval maybe is already in, but get a great opportunity um, and just make sure that we're maximizing our time during this pandemic. Now, what do you think of being a Vegas resident? I love it. Yeah. The, the energy here, it's like the fight capital of the world. I just, I think this is the best. Uh, you know, last year I think I might've spent I think me and my wife calculated maybe 25 to 30 nights in my actual home. Wow. Just because we we're always on the road. And so even when life was for say normal, we were spending 15 weeks a year out here, right? In Vegas. So if life does go back to normal, now a third of the year is home games for me. I get to be in my bed, in my kitchen, eating my food. It's just a better quality of life for me. Plus, I think with the UFC offices and all the UFC events being here, it's, it's again, it's just time to go all in. You know, my wife saw the advantage. We rented an Airbnb here for June. Uh, we had a very successful month, and she's like, you know what? This is this is best for the guys. This is best for the athletes. Let's let's do this, and uh, I love it. It's been great. We've been going home once a month to see her dad in Anaheim, and my parents actually moved to St. George, Utah, so I'm actually closer to them, so that's good for me. 
Would you say that during this pandemic, things have been even more successful because you've been able to capitalize on other opportunities than you were prior to the pandemic or kind of walk us through the differences now in the past, what, seven, eight months than before? Uh, I think it's probably been some of the best six months of our agency's uh, career. Uh, one, I think this recruiting class for Contender Series, this, this class is one of the best we, we've ever had. Uh, Lewis Kosey, who you're seeing, going to see on Saturday night, I think he is going to be an absolute star. His brother, Ryan, is a, is a stud as well. He'd be making his debut, and I'm excited to see what he does. But then also, if all the openings that are coming to, occur, coming to fruition because of COVID or injuries, I just feel like our athletes have been ready to go and have stepped up. I mean, you've seen a lot of our guys come in on short notice and have great performances and kind of uh, really escalate their career. Let's rewind to, I believe it was UFC 249. We ended up going to Jacksonville, Florida to be doing some UFC fights there. But I'm not sure a lot of people know about this too, but there was an opportunity for us, the UFC, to be on some Indian reservation in California. You had some connections at a casino and everything like that. You were making some pitches. Uh, <laughs> we still might see some fights there. Yes or no? Uh, walk us through that situation. Uh, I, I had just notified the UFC that Tachi Palace would be very interested in working an agreement out with them to have the fights there. Obviously, uh, Jeremy and I, uh, even Alex Perez, who started his career there, we have strong ties uh, to that casino and the tribe. Uh, they've been amazing to us over the years. And so uh, supposedly when, when things get back to, I guess you'd say normal, uh, they're supposed to go back to Tachi Palace. So that'd be great. You know, I'd love for Alex to uh, make a UFC fight at, at the Tachi Palace. It'd be great. Where does, the, where does the UFC need to have a fight that, that hasn't had a fight yet in the United States? I feel like if I don't say Hawaii, all the Hawaiians are going to jump all over. <laughs> I was just gonna, thinking gonna, that They're going to jump all over. All my Hawaiian clans are probably looking at me like, say it, say it. <laughs> Hawaii. That's yes. fair. And yeah. there's, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, Max Holloway just got announced for a fight today, too, and got engaged yeah, again, too. I know. Congrats. Uh, congrats to Max. That's awesome. I'm happy for him. We have enough uh, Hawaiian fighters where it would make sense to finally do that. <laughs> I don't know what all the hurdles are behind that. I believe it's re- regarding the arena size and some of the logistics of that. To my understanding, I could be way off, though. <laughs> well, now with arena size uh, and, and fans in attendance, now could be a time. <laughs> now could be a time. <laughs> um, what's your thought on the weight divisions? Because obviously that's a topic of conversation that happens mm-hmm. a lot, especially if this, uh, as, as this sport evolves, the roster evolves. Do you think we have the, adequacy, uh, the right amount of weight divisions in the game right now, or would you like to see it expand? I think if they did expand, I would like to see uh, like a 75, 85, 95, uh, or, you know, 60, excuse me, 65, 75, 80. Just keep it in those 10-pound increments is what, what I would like to do. You know, 55, 65, 75, 85, 95. I feel sometimes uh, we have quite a few athletes in that 55 to 70 gap that would be a perfect 65-class uh, athlete. And we have some gaps in the 80 to 75. And I think, like, say, for example, like Eric Anders, I think he would be an amazing 195-pounder, right? I think that 85 to 205 is kind of in that tweener you know, he has a really strict cut to make 85s. Yeah, he just missed weight, man. Yes, Do you get yes. pissed at these guys when they miss weight? No, Eric was uh, staying with me those two weeks. I watched him meticulously on his diet, on his on his training. Uh, I think in hindsight, some of the issues that occurred were that we did take this fight on semi-short notice. We did take it on three weeks notice. I had asked if it was possible to do 190. The opponent did not want to. Um, so we knew going into this, it was going to be very tough to to do this. But, you know, Eric really wanted to fight and really wanted the opportunity um, but that's one person, 
I don't think he's ever had an off day. I don't think he's ever cheated anything in his life. Like I, I always tell Eric, I was like, man, you're never going to have a bad night's sleep when you leave the sport. He just does everything uh, so right. I just, uh, I love him to death. Very upbeat person too. Yes. Yes. Um, do you think there should be any changes to the scoring system? I would, I like when Kansas, the LFA events, when they do the real time scoring, I think that really uh, allows us to see where we're at in this whole situation because uh, I think so many times the frustration, not only that you thought the decision was wrong, but it's like, man, had I known, <laughs> I thought I was up two rounds heading into the third and turned out I was down two rounds, it could definitely change things. So I think that would be a start, um, but I definitely feel like there needs to be some consistency in the judging and the refing. You know, one thing that's always kind of a pet peeve of mine is like the rule where you, you stick the, the fingers out. I feel like some days it's like one warning and then they deduct, deduct, excuse me, deduct a point. Some days it's like they get three or four warnings. It's like, man, I don't care what it is, but can we just be consistent, right? Coming from a college baseball background, I was like, yo, ump, I don't care what your strike zone's like, but just be consistent. Just let me know where it's at and I'll work it from there. <laughs> and it doesn't help that every single state has a different athletic commission True. too. So it changes up rules yes. state by yes. state. You know, obviously there's issues with marijuana testing and everything of that <laughs> yes. sort. Can't be consistent there. Yeah. But what I don't understand too is, you know, you coming from baseball too, there's the minor leagues, the NBA, mm -hmm. they also have their summer league. They have mm -hmm. their G league. Uh, the closest thing we have, if you look at the UFC, it's, the contender series or the yep. ultimate fighter, which is returning, uh, what which what we can get to next, but yes. why don't they do any sort of testing during Dana White's contender series for the things we just talked about with live scoring and having a different criteria for judging, getting mm -hmm. away from that boxing system. I yeah. don't understand why they don't use the contender series to test. I mean, they already tested out a smaller octagon there in the first place, mm -hmm. right? With contender series. Yeah. I really feel it comes down to the commission, right? I do believe, like Mark Ratner and the people at the UFC, I think they would definitely be open to these things. I think it's really getting all the commissions on board. That's the issue, right? I mean, for example, Kansas is doing live scoring, but no other state isn't. So, like, if you had one week and you went to Kansas, you'd get live scoring, and the next weekend you go, I don't know, Nebraska, then you wouldn't get live scoring. It's like we'd almost have to get everyone on board to, like, hey, guys, like, we need to – together and all this and make the make make the exact same rules one another rule is like the the two hands down or one hand down you know the down oh, yeah. opponent rule like yeah every time i'm backstage i'm always like man the way they're explaining is like wait so last week it was this but this week's that like you're almost kind of wondering like what's going on and i'm surprised we don't have more issues with it and fighters being confused right like what the exact ruling is and then next next thing we'll see we'll see soccer kicks allowed at some <laughs> sort of state or commission back into it right um, the ultimate fighter, um, obviously we've been hearing rumblings we're, we're sitting here and we're, we're picking things there. Are you putting any of your clients names in the hat to, yes. to be running this thing? <laughs> we, we've submitted, I think maybe 30 or 40 apps probably, uh, to, to the producers there. I'm so excited because, you know, growing up, like the ultimate fighter was like in the midweek special, right? It's yeah. on, it's, you know, I can't wait to watch it all through law school. So I think, too, when you take something away from the fans, they kind of miss it. Now it's coming back. Maybe they'll have that nostalgia like they can't wait to see. And, you know, if the coaches are who they say they're going to be, I mean, that could be some for some good TV, too, as well. Do you have a pitch? Do you have the best <laughs> pitch for some coaches, the, the two that you would like to see? I, I, I would love to see Colby Masvidal. I mean, I think everyone would love <laughs> That's him. what I've been or saying. Or Jones and Adesante, you know, something of that nature. Get some real good, good, real blood, you know, bad blood going. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, we're we're in this era right now where people are going up and fighting, you know, I call it money fights, right? Because yeah. Adesanya 
trying mm-hmm. to go and fight Jones going up. I guess Jan Bohovic <laughs> first. You like that? Do you like seeing that type of thing, or do you want everyone to stick to the weight division? I think it's good for the sport. Cr- create some good storylines. Um, I think it's good as long as you can keep the division moving forward. I think sometimes when it kind of stalls out, right, when one champion goes up and kind of withholds the division a little bit, that's kind of a, a bummer, right? You want to keep seeing the the – the line moving. You want to keep seeing everyone get their opportunities and, and keep moving forward. Speaking of divisions, what's going on with the UFC female featherweight division? I think still to this time, we sure. don't have anybody <laughs> in this featherweight division. Is that going to exist in the long haul? If I was a betting man, I would say no. But I mean, I guess unless there's some more contenders that come about, it could, could, could get interesting, you know? Do you have any clients on deck in that division? <laughs> Uh, Leah Letson, uh, you know, she might may, may do 45s. She okay. may go back down to 35s. I'm not quite sure, but when she returns, that's that's a good question. She might. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like the Ultimate Fighter because Ultimate Fighter they're looking for 35ers and middle 85ers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 85ers. Could we see some of your clients for that? Yes. Yes. Definitely. We have some good prospects that I think would be great for that show. Um, some that you've seen on Contenders that maybe didn't get a contract. Um, some that are up and coming prospects that now I think they're ready to go. So it should be good. I'm real excited to see them. And I feel like the, the class that we've, you know, submitted to the producers, I think they do very well in our house. They're very disciplined and they'll be able to, to handle that very well. Awesome. Well, any kind of final thoughts you want to leave our audience with and your debut episode of the Schmozone podcast? <laughs> the debut. I know I'm just, uh, I'm just very blessed to you guys give me this opportunity to speak with you guys. I'm very grateful for everything you've done. Uh, for our athletes, they always uh, are in good moods uh, when, after they speak with both of you. And I think that's an important part of fight week that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, I was young. My dad could always say, I knew you were going to have a, when you're going to have a good game or not. And I'd be like, how does he know that? He, Man, I don't think he does. But now that I'm an adult and I'm representing athletes, I can always tell how fight week's going, how that's going to lead into Saturday night. And I think you guys are a big part of that, you know, on media day when they get to spend time with you guys and laugh. I think that really brings the energy well. And it sounds silly, it maybe sound trivial, but I, I really do feel like it's those little things that, that win the war on Saturday night. We love that. Hey, and we'll take those COVID tests twice a week. <laughs> we just want to keep creating content. We'll, we'll do it through the pandemic, yes. after the pandemic. Yes. Uh, we enjoy interviewing your fighters. We enjoy interviewing all the fighters and just bringing that positivity and a different approach to journalism. And I have to add, in the beginning when you said you spoke about when you guys first met and before the schmo kind of blew up. Yes. So when we first started dating too, he would speak so highly of you guys. Oh, that means and the of world you. To me. And he spoke about you a lot. Oh, so no, that, that makes me happy because the, the feelings are, are mutual. I don't get to see you as much now because they keep the media a little separate from us, but I, I always see how much you're rising. I see your, your Instagram following just grow and grow. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. He's just killing it. Just, it, just all over it. T- you know? Took a while, man. And and yeah, like like she said, and like we talked about at the beginning, I reached out to everybody, and you were like the only one, uh, <laughs> the, and and the management side that responded or gave me gave me something to work with to, to move forward. At least well, an opportunity. You made me look like I was a genius for doing it. <laughs> I, I always tell our guys, you I, are a genius. I always tell our guys, like you got to shoot your shot like the schmo. Whenever I always like <laughs> when you shot, when you when you you know shot your shot with Dana, I was so impressed because. You don't realize how nerve wracking that is. And you did. And I was just like, man. So every time our guys, I'm like, hey, come on, you got to shoot your shot. You know, closed mouth, don't get fed. When you first met him or saw his persona, what what was going through your mind? I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. It it was a a great, a great thing for our sport, right? It added a lot. It it made, uh, 
your your field more interesting, right? It kind of like brought some character to it. You're like, oh shoot, this is awesome, and and it kind of changed things up a little bit, right? And it, yeah. it forced everyone to get more creative. And I think that's that's how it should be in life. You know, some people hating others that are having success. For me, it, it make it motivates me and it makes me think, man, if they can do it, I can do it. And seeing what you're doing, you're forcing all of us to evolve. And I, I think that's amazing. And uh, like I said, I, you don't realize it, but like, man, our guys come back to the hotel room and heading downstairs, they were a little maybe depleted, cutting weight, and then maybe not, you know, like, oh man, I gotta get through media. I'm not feeling good. And afterwards, like, man, Schmo, he was so funny. He was making me laugh. He let me wear the glasses, you know? And it's like, man, you don't realize it, but you just changed the whole, now they go yeah. to do the last weight cut and they're, you know, they're still laughing about it and they're looking at their interviews when it gets posted. It makes a world of difference. And people don't realize that. But as a manager, I see all that. That's why when Ed's like, hey, can we get Schmo? Dude, get Schmo and everyone on fight week. Get them all talking to Schmo. <laughs> I want them coming up to the room smiling. I want them ready to go because Man, you guys can appreciate this because you guys really get to see the start to finish, but so much goes into one moment and people yeah. don't realize that. And I always try and tell my guys, man, chew slow on this week. I told Alex, hey, Alex, no matter what happens on Saturday night, chew slow. I mean, because someday you're going to tell your grandkids about this. Like you literally got to fight for the UFC world title and you're going to win the belt on Saturday night. But man, enjoy that moment because it's going to go by so damn fast. Bobby Green, same way. When Bobby Green was out, I used to always tell him, like, bro, when you get back, you better chew slow, man, because you had all these wins right away. Not that you didn't appreciate it, but you just thought they were always going to be there. You just you just don't know. Bobby Green, another one who's been capitalizing on this pandemic situation. Yes. He's been fighting. He's been yes. winning. I know he didn't get the result in the last fight, but he's been looking great. Yeah. He's the man. I love him. And I think some of his post-fight speeches have been amazing. They have. I was going to say uh, you know, he's, he's, I've been with him for 11 years. I, I love Bobby to death. I think he's just such a stud. And uh, I think this has been a revival for his career. And that's one of the things I'm most proud about so far in 2020 was just seeing him. Because I, I, I knew he had still a lot in the tank. And you guys remember some of those losses, I'm not taking away from the opponent. But man, like they could have gone either way. It wasn't like he was getting like, you know, when a guy starts getting really beat, you're like, okay, maybe we need to reevaluate here. But I mean, you were right there. Yeah. So to see him get these wins has been great. Fantastic. Well, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Oh, we'll do it you. again. Yes, sir. Episode 42 of the Schmo Zone podcast. We are out. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.